Whatever you're facing tomorrow, whatever you're facing this week, He has the strength to pull you through. Not just barely make it, but more, more than victorious, more than conquerors, we are able. Because of His blood, because of what He has done for us. We don't just barely eke by. We don't just barely make it over the finish line. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. And we can give Him praise for that right now. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Because when we see you, we find strength to face today. In your presence, oh God, all our fears, whatever that fear is, physical, financial, emotional, whatever it is, in your presence, oh God, hallelujah. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. Hallelujah. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. Come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna. Yes, you are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. Come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him honor. Give him glory. He is worthy. We bless you. We praise you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. You alone deserve all the worship, oh God. We lift you and magnify you. Lord, at the beginning of this new year, Lord, you deserve all worship, all praise, all honor, all glory. Let your name be lifted, oh Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. And you alone deserve my word. Just like that, you alone 
praise it all belongs to you yes it all belongs to you it all belongs to you you alone deserve my worship Lord you alone deserve my praise you alone deserve my worship Lord you on him and worship him. Sing it to him. Worship the Lord, church. Honor His presence. Lord, we lift you. Hallelujah. We lift you and magnify your name, O God. Oh, we just bless you, Lord. Oh, we bless you and magnify you. Pour out your presence, O God. How we need you. You deserve the glory.
Jesus, a hand clap of praise in this house today. He's worthy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, praise team. Thank you to all those musicians today. Yes, I was one of them. Hallelujah. So good to see everybody. I, um, I want to reiterate last week what we talked about. We talked about the fact of taking, it's a new year, right? Is everybody still enjoying the new year? Yes, yes, the new year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've had a capital building attack. I mean, things are going great. Everybody relax. God's in control. You take a new patch and you put it on an old garment. We talked about last week. The best thing that you could do is just throw away the pants with the holes and go buy you a new pair. Now, Scott, we walked in the other day. We were at the mall and we walked in this store called... Um, 
I think they call it Hollister. I can't fit in their clothes. I mean, I'm a little fella, but they do them skinny, skinny guy jeans, and I ain't wearing that stuff. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all. I just ain't doing it. I refuse. I'll cut them before I do that. Anyhow, and I'm walking in there, and I'm looking, and they're like a $100 pair of pants, and there was less pants than there were rips. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? And your kids go in, they be buying that stuff. I'm like, used to in the old days, when they got ripped, you know, you, you didn't just start ripping them. I mean, nowadays, you pay $100 for a pair of ripped jeans. So, times have changed, but... Today I want to look at the same thing because I feel like that if Jesus emphasized change and he did it last week we did Mark 2.21 and in verse 22 he goes right into his second part of the sermon on change and so I felt like that if Jesus felt like it was honorable enough to mention it two times and reiterate it that I need to reiterate it today. If Jesus did it I guess I'm going to do it. So today I'm going to that verse of scripture and we're going to deal with that. You know, I was thinking, you know, it would do us good sometimes just to change pews. <laughs> That's why I love codes. You know, everybody, they get off their pews and stuff. It's all rearranged. And normally, like in the old days, I knew exactly where, if I wanted to call out somebody, I looked exactly. Now I'm like scouting the whole building trying to find them. I love it. Because sometimes we can get so... Used to the way, it's just for the fact of change, all right? It's, it's like pew ownership, we kind of call it. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, we had these little, does anybody remember? I don't, do y'all have them? Y'all don't have them on your pews. We had the gold one. Does anybody know what the gold things were? And you put on the ends of the pews, who bought the pew? So if you bought the pew, it was your pew. <laughs> y'all remember those days? Yeah, 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 we used to have those pews too. Sometimes change is just good. It's just good. And sometimes it does us good just to try something new. It opens up a whole new world. So today, I'm going to dig in just a little deeper and try to make me uncomfortable and make you uncomfortable and uh, so that we can get closer to God. How does that sound? Let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 22 and see what the Word says. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined, meaning... That if you try to hold on to the old wine skin and put the new wine in it, at the end of the day, neither one is going to be any good. In other words, when you try this remedy, it's going to be ruined. That's all it ends in, in disaster. You do not make any progression. You don't move forward in your life. You don't move forward in your job. You don't move forward in your church as long as you try to combine the old with the new. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. Uh, I want to speak on those words, new wine in old wineskins. That's what I want to deal with today. This is the words of Jesus, not mine. Have you ever wished that you had an undo button in your life? Anybody? Does anybody wish that you could just undo some things? Something that you said to somebody, if you could just undo that. You know, when I get ready to do sermons a lot of times, I, I, I use Word documents. I don't know if anybody familiar with computers. It's a Word document, and you type out what you want. And so when you're sitting there typing, or used to in the old days, before I had people like Brandon and Chevy back there, I had to build my own PowerPoints for my sermons and have a clicker and flip them myself. I had to do all that. And so when I was building that, sometimes I would put something in there that I didn't want, but thank God that there was an undo button in the top left corner and I clicked undo and it would take away everything out that I had put that I did not want. Meaning I could have a fresh start. There's times in my life that there's things I wish I could go back to. There's things that I've said 
even from pulpits before that I wish I could go back and just undo it. There's, I've treated people in ways before that I wish that I could go back and undo it and change my attitude and the way that I presented it or the way I said it to them. There's times in our life that that happens. We wish we had this undo button like a computer, but unfortunately, we, we don't have that. We cannot go back and undo our choices. We cannot go un, uh, back and undo our decisions. We cannot undo our mistakes that we made. But we can, however, move forward with a new beginning and we can do it today. I was watching a show the other day and it was so interesting and it was talking about fish and it was talking about how this fish, this, this mermaid, and I know that sounds crazy, don't it? My, my kid likes mermaids. But the one thing that that mermaid said that really interests me, it was talking of the aquatic world and the fish and they said there's one thing that we never do. We never swim backward. We always swim forward. And I love that because I feel like in our Christian life so often that we're trying to go back and go back. And God's saying, I don't want you to go back. I want you to move forward. You have to forgive yourself for mistakes that you've made. If you've said things, you've got to seek God's forgiveness. But you cannot live in your past. You've got to move forward. You cannot start over, but you can start new and fresh. You see, I was looking up the word change and we talked a little bit about this last week. But change means to make the form, nature, content, or future course of something different from what it is or from what it would be if it was left alone. Change is something that of course we would all rather talk about rather than actually do it. Or, or we would rather change others and not change ourselves. Is there anybody that there's somebody in your life that you wish you could change them? You know, sometimes you get married and you don't know what you're getting into. Sometimes you date that new boy or that new girl and you don't know what you're getting into. And what you begin to learn from this is that, you know, if I could just change them to be more like me. But what you learn in marriage and what you learn in relationship is something very, very quick. And I promise you, when you get married, you're going to get broken the first month of your marriage. Possibly the first week or two. Because what you're going to learn is you've been trying to change her. When sometimes you don't need to change her, sometimes you need to change you. And so we're good at talking about changing other people and the way that they do things or the way that they talk about people or the way they do this and that and the other, always calling them out. Always, I didn't see it's so easy for me to see your flaws. I can pick them out so quick that you can't even think straight. I can grab, but guess what? It is so much harder for me to realize that I've got faults in my life. But what you learn. From life's lessons, just like from marriage, you learn sooner than later that you too have some issues that you need to deal with. And there's some change sometimes that it's not other people that need it. There's change that needs to take place in your life. So I say if I could change my life, if, if I could change a person in my life, we may say. We talk about it, but we never seem to do anything about it. Continuing, as we spoke last week, without change to grow stagnant, to deteriorate, and to become unproductive. Well, before I get into the heart of the message, I'm going to lighten it up just a little bit for some of you. There's a man that sees a frog on the side of the road. The frog speaks to the man and says, Sir, if you will just kiss me, I will turn into a beautiful woman. The man just put the frog in his pocket without kissing it. 
and kept walking. And later on, finally, the frog speaks again and says, Why in the world haven't you kissed me yet? To which the man responded, At this point in my life, I'd rather have a talking frog. Now, some of you men are laughing, but she is not. So, Jesus gives us a parable about change. And he tells us that there is no one that pours new wine into an old wineskin. Now, the wine represents the new covenant. You remember when Jesus had communion, he said this wine represents the new covenant. The new covenant was the grace of God. The new covenant is what Jesus Christ would do when he died on the cross for us. But the old wineskins represented the traditions of the scribes and the Pharisees of their day. It represented the tradition of the elders of their day. And so wineskins, and the new and the wine, will, the Bible says a new wine will burst the old wineskins. Now, what they would do in the older days, they would take the wineskins and they would make them from animal skins. They would dry that animal skin out. But after a while, that animal skin will become hard. It will become brittle. And eventually, it would even break and burst. And it could not handle the new wine like a new wine skin could. Luke adds this, and he says it. Look at Luke 5.39. I want to show you another scripture today. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For they say that the old is better. And what he means by this is that there's some people that are simply reluctant to change. They are stuck in the past. They tend to like what they are accustomed to. They, they don't try the new wine because in their custom and in their tradition and in their heart, they say that the old is better. And what a mistake that is. They fail to give the new wine a chance at least. See, the truth is that over time, as the new wine seasons, it becomes the best wine of all, but they are unwilling to try it. If you are going to go through change, there are some expressions of change that you're going to go through. Change comes in two different forms. The first one is remedial change, which means you got to fix something that is broken. It is this change that focuses on problem solving in your own life. It deals with correcting the negatives in your own life. Listen to me. I tell my kid all the time. I told Branson just yesterday. He kept saying something was just negative about himself. No, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. And finally I said, son, you can. You can and you will. Quit being so negative. Speak positive things into your life. There's some people that nothing will change because that's all they've ever done. It, I don't have to defeat you. I don't have to talk down about you. There's some people that do it all by themselves. They tell themselves, I can't do it. When somebody says, you can, trying to encourage them, they fall back. Oh, there ain't no way. I tried that before and I failed. I want to tell you today, sometimes you need remedial change. You need to fix something that's broken in your life. And if you are constantly telling yourself that you're broken and you cannot achieve it, and you're not going to make it, and you're not going to be able to do it, well, guess what, folks? The chances are you're not going to be able to do it. What God is wanting you to do is exactly what I told my son to do. You speak positive things into your life. When you feel like you can't do it, you tell yourself with God's help, you can do it. Because when I am weak, it is then that Jesus Christ is strong in my life. The new isn't that bad, folks. God help me not to always be negative. You know, I, I, 
You look at roses. How many of you like roses? Do you women like getting roses? You know, my wife, after we've been married for so many years, and January 5th we celebrated 19 years of marriage, there's one thing that my wife taught me, and I don't know if your wife's this way, maybe she's not, but my wife, when it rolls around a special occasion, I don't care if it's Valentine's, don't send roses. My wife would rather me buy her a gift card and let her buy a new purse or a new new. Cl- Any of you ladies want me to give your husband some lessons here? Anybody? So, do you know when you buy the rose, Miss Phyllis? On April the 13th? I don't know what April the 13th is. That's not anything special. And that's the point. And they love to get them on a day when it's not a day they're supposed to get them. It's just a, a little card. Just because I love you. Women love it, men. I'm telling you, they love it. Take advice. Now, I do want to tell you, don't try it this week because I told you to. Wait a couple months, all right? We don't want to be that obvious. We don't want to be that obvious. But the rose has thorns. Sometimes sometimes the the speculation from scientists, and when they're trying to figure out why the rose has thorns, the rose has thorns in order to protect it from being eaten by animals that are attracted by their smell and their aroma. So I got to say this. When I look at the rose, I want to say thank God for the thorns in my life. Sometimes even new things that come into my life, it may not seem like it's good for me. And it may seem like a thorn. But I want you to know something. There's times that God allows those thorns to come into our life to protect us from the enemy. We can't explain it, but God knows why you're going through the season that you're going through through. See, there's a second expression of change. We've got to grow in new ways. This is called developmental change. We talked about the baby last week. That if they stay a baby, they don't grow, they don't develop. This change is directed not towards negativity. This is directed towards a positive goal. It's change for see if you do, if you do change for change sake it is pointless there's got to be a reason it is like rearranging the furniture in the room but not buying new furniture it's still old furniture we need outcome based thinking we need to go into this thing saying God I'm going to change see some of you it's only the 10th of January and some of you have made some promises in your life already to yourself you've purpose you're going to do things you're going to change this you're going to change that I pray to God that you're still holding on because it's a good thing in your life. You've got to have an outcome-based thinking. You've got to say, what is the goal? What do I expect to achieve whenever I seek out this new way in my life? What is the product that you expect to produce from this? You see, in our churches, it is like this. God is wanting us to do some new things, grow in some new ways, do, do new ministries. In reality, it's the basic things that we've been talking about for the last last month or so. But Jesus told us one thing that we should do is that when we change and grow in new ways, look at John 15, 16. He tells us to bear fruit. Watch this for You did not choose me. I chose you. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. He chose me and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in the name of a father, he will give you. See, I want you to understand this. This is so powerful. God doesn't just want us to stay busy until he comes. 
He wants us to get results. And that is why he says when you bring positive change into your life, whether it be in your personal life, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your church, when you're doing something right, there's going to be the product of something that's going to grow. And it is going to be the fruit that people are going to see in your life. See, what I pray to God is that we become more than just another church. I pray to God that we become more than just a church with, 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 you know, looks like a church with a steeple and we've got a sign out front that says we're a church. I want us to be more than that. I want God to do something in us that will grow us in new ways that the community, that those around us, that those that come into our services will be able to say, there's one thing for sure. Those people are growing. They are developing. They are growing in new ways. And the reason that I can tell that they are growing is because they are bearing good fruit. See, this is a testimony that we are allowing God to change us and to work in us. Take us through different transitions in our life to get us to the place that we can please Him. Uh, Paul Harvey, some of you may have heard of that guy. He tells about a man who said, I grew up poor. But they told me I wasn't poor. I was needy. Then they told me, I wasn't needy. They said I was deprived. Then they told me I wasn't deprived. They told me I was underprivileged. Then they told me I wasn't underprivileged. They told me I was disadvantaged. I still don't have a dime to my name. But I have a great vocabulary. There's times in our life that there's changes that are going to happen. There's things that are going to go on. But I promise you, God just showed us that it is going to bring fruit in your life. Good fruit, not bad fruit. Good fruit. Change can be good. In our lives. But there's something we have to deal with. And that's the emotions of change. Whenever you get ready to change. And this is number one. Are you ready? You're going to be met with one of two feelings. Number one. You're going to have fear in your life. When you try to do something new. Look at Numbers chapter 13. I'm, and sadly we resort here too often. Sadly. When God is taking us to a new place. So often. We allow fear to come into our life. When God offers you. A new position or a promotion. Listen, I've had Christians. That, that, are y'all ready? I've had Christians tell me, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I, I, want, I need the Lord to open up a door. I hate my job. I had somebody tell me that one time. Honest to God. I said, we'll pray to God to give you a promotion. That's what you need is a promotion. They call me back just a few days later. Say, Pastor, praise the Lord. There's a new job that just came available. I got all the qualifications for it, I think. And... And, I, and I, do I need to fill out for it? I said, well, my Lord, yes. Didn't you just pray and ask God to do this for you? God answered your prayer. Give Him glory. To which the person says, uh, I don't know if I want this job. I don't know how I... And I'm sitting there dumbfounded, thanking God has given you this opportunity. You asked Him for it. You even told me about it. I prayed, you've prayed, people of your families prayed. The promotion, all you've got to do is receive it. But because of fear. He said, I just don't think I can handle that job. I don't. And because of fear, that individual walked away from a promotion that God had given him. See, I want you to understand. It was change that scared him so badly. If he changed, if he went for that promotion, he was sure that he would fail. Can I tell somebody today that God 
has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can I tell somebody today that greater is he that's in you than he that is fighting against you in this world? Can I tell somebody today, you don't have to be afraid. If God is for you, then who in the world can stand against you? Fear. Look, look at this. This is something else here. But the men who had gone up with him said, these are 12 men, 10 spies, said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Don't you love people that just spread bad news? Don't you love people that they come to church and you can start one of the best ministries in the world and they don't tell anybody at the barbershop? But you let the pastor do one thing wrong, or a leader do something wrong, or a member say something to them that, that, that discouraged them or got them downcast last Sunday, and they'll spread it all over the place. That's the way these men are. All they spread was a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we, we explored devours those that are living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. They were giants. We saw the Nephilim. They're the descendants of Anak, which are... Giants, of course, descendants of Goliath, to be precise, come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. He said, they were so big, we were so small, they thought we were grasshoppers, we felt like grasshoppers. There is no way that we can do it. It is fear that makes us resist change, and we keep things the way they are. Because change is so unpredictable. So because change in my life is unpredictable, then I feel safer if I can just keep it the way it is. So because the Israelites were afraid of change and moving into a new territory, for 40 years they walked around a wilderness, around in circles when they could have possessed the promised land within a few days. The change was good, but the change was just too much for them. There is a point in the scripture, and I won't read it all to you, that they even wanted to go back to Egypt, so they got stuck in the middle, and they said these words in 14 and 4 of Ephesus, or of Exodus, I apologize. We should choose a leader, a new leader, and go back to Egypt. Their leader is known by God as the meekest man to ever live on the earth. They didn't need a new pastor. They didn't need a new leader. What they needed was to walk away from fear and allow the love of God to get into their heart and understand that God's going to give us something we've never had before. This is a change we've been waiting on. We're going to possess this land. It's been promised. It's been prophesied. It flows with milk and honey. Why don't we just go get it? You see, so often we, we find churches, and I've, I've found this in my life, that there's times that, you go to a church, and when you first get there, you're like, all right, tell me what's going on. Where are we at? Nine times out of ten, the first thing you're going to hear when you ask for advice is everything that the last guy did wrong. I'm telling you, that's how it works. I've done it too many times. What the last guy did wrong. All right. What about the guy before him? Oh, he did this too. What about the guy before him? And next thing you know, every y'all had the worst leaders that anybody's ever had. I mean, seriously, it's like... Oh. But it's not just, it's every church. Because for so long, 
we've geared our attention towards who the leader is, forgetting that God isn't just leading a leader, God is leading his people. And Israel was so much bigger than Moses. Moses didn't even want to be the leader. Moses tried to resign before God even gave him the job. He said, God, I can't do this job. I'm unworthy to do this job. I can't even speak. I'm not a good speaker. I'm really not good at communicating with people. I've been on the backside of the desert for the last 40 years. All I've ever talked to is these sheep over here. I can't talk to Pharaoh. Who do you think I am? He didn't want the job. But yet they turned on this man who's known as the meekest man in all the world. And they're saying, you're the problem, Moses, if we can get a new leader. But what Moses was trying to do that the people would not grasp is he was trying to bring change. And it was good change. He was bringing them from a land of bondage where they had been so defeated and so discouraged. And he was taking them to the promised land, a place that they could only dream about and he's saying let's go there let's go there God has given us this but they thought you know what we're going to blame it on somebody else and they find themselves in the middle what I'm telling you is God is calling us see we get somewhere between where where we want to be and where we could be where we should be and we get caught in the middle and so Israel is in the middle of Egypt and Canaan land, and fear grips their heart, and they say, oh my God, let's just, let's go back to Egypt. But thank God for the guy that was going to take the place of Moses. He's not yet done it yet. His name is Joshua and his friend Caleb. And the new leader goes up, or who's going to be the new leader, steps up and says to them, now is not the time to blame it on Moses. Now is not the time to go back to Egypt. Now is the time to move forward. Ten spies spread negative news all around the camp. Joshua and Caleb, two guys. That's 20% of 100 that are saying, let's do it. So it's like holding a church vote. 80% say no, 20% say yes. Do you all see what happens in this situation? If we go by Robert's rule of order, guess who prevails? The majority always prevails in that case it's the same way I don't know if they did a count or what they did but I know that they end up saying the odds are against us we are going to go back but there's Joshua who is sitting here with the vision of God with the passion of God he sees what it can be there's something in his heart that is yearning saying it doesn't have to stay this way I'm taking you to a better place I'm taking you to a brighter land and he looks at them and says y'all haven't seen yeah yeah we saw the giants but but, 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 I know y'all talking about the giants but did you see the grapes how many of you like grapes anybody like grapes I could pop grapes all day long Johnny he said these grapes are so big that literally me and Brian are going to have to get a pole we're going to hang them from the pole it's going to take two men to walk these grapes back home. My God Almighty. They're the biggest grapes we've ever seen. So while you're sitting here talking about all the negative things and the defeat. I want to talk about the encouragement. We couldn't even get a good meal back in Egypt. But now we can get a grape and feed the whole family on it. Right here in Canaan land. What are y'all doing? Let's go forward. But guess what? Fear. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. They walked away. 40 years wandering around. So either I'm going to have fear 
or either I'm going to have faith. I love this. God, give us the spirit of Joshua. Give us the spirit of Caleb. Who wanted to possess the land when ten other spies gave negative report. The ten spies focused on the problem. While, jo while Joshua and Caleb focused on the promise. I'm going to say that again. The ten spies focused on the problem. The giants. All of this. While Joshua and Caleb focused on the promise. And there's some of you in here that you may be going through some emotions of change. And you may be saying to yourself, fears are, got a hold to me. I just can't do it, Pastor. But I want to tell you, just like Joshua and Caleb, you need to quit looking at the problems and negativity in your life and why you're not going to succeed and why we can't get it done. And you need to recognize the promise of God that I am with you always, even until the end of the world. You and I need to claim the promises of God. We cannot be afraid when God is taking us to a place like Canaan. A place of change. But that, that's the emotions you deal with. And then, then I'll leave you with this. There's elements of change. Change occurs when three things are present. Number one, pain. Pain, discomfort. Change is discomfortable in a lot of ways. But there's one thing that happens for the person that even wants to see change in their life. They get a discomfort with the way that things are. When you really won't change, you are discomfortable with the way things are. I always wondered why the eagle, and it's a sermon for another day, but I always wondered why the eagle kept putting prickly sticks and things in the little eaglet's nest. The reason they did it was to get that little eaglet uncomfortable living in the nest. Because as long as Mama Eagle takes care of it and gives it this soft, fluffy, plushy place to lay, you know what I'm saying? Puripedic beds, whatever they're called. And she's bringing them and she's mouth feeding them and throwing up like birds do and giving her fresh food. And this, oh man, this is great. I love this life. But when she starts putting those prickly things, all of a sudden the eaglet gets to moving. And see, that's why God sometimes, He brings discomfort in our life to get us discomfortable with the way things are. And, and this is how he gets us to a place of growth. This is how he gets us to a place of change. So eventually, the little eaglet is so uncomfortable that they jump up and they're walking. And Mama Eagle just knocks it out the nest. That's the way it works. You read it. It's really a good sermon. And I could preach it. He takes us up on eagle's wings. But I'm not going to preach all that to you today. But it's the point of being uncomfortable. And I want you to understand, you have to get to a place of discomfort with the way things are. You've seen that commercial. I think it's called J.G. Whitworth. To where people, legal group, promising that you can get your money. And you can get it now. To which people are screaming. They're saying, I, it's my money. And I want it now. I'm uncomfortable. I want to tell somebody today. I want to tell the devil. I want to tell every demon in hell. It's our promise and we want it now. We are uncomfortable with sitting here in this little comfortable, complacent spot. We are tired of doing things as normal and routine. We are wanting God to get it prickly so that we will get uncomfortable and want to fly to a new place, do a new thing. God is going to bless His church. I'm telling you he is we must get tired of the way things are for change to occur I'm going to say it again we must get tired of the way things are for change to occur secondly there's hope 
There's a vision of the way that things could be. Hope is a feeling of expectation that something you want will happen. Hallelujah. That's an element of change. You believe that if you make a positive change in your life. I told you last week. First of the year, people go on these diets. If you decide to do it, tell yourself, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. You know, some people, some people go crazy. And they set, sometimes you set the goal too high. Can I just tell somebody that? Sometimes you set your bar too high. I'm going to do this this year. And you be way up there and you tell somebody. And they'll be like, what? What you going to do? You losing 100 pounds this year? Who in the world thought you? No. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. You set a goal that is achievable. And then when you reach it, you're able to celebrate it. And if you want to do another 10, that's up to you. If you look at money and say, i got $1,000 right here. I'm going to invest this $1,000. And by the end of the year, my $1,000 is going to be $2,000. Whether you do it in the stock market. Whether you get things in your garage and sell them and put them in that fund. I don't care. But when you get there. You're able to celebrate. You have hope that it is going to happen. And when you set goals that are achievable, you can see those goals come to pass. And that is exactly what we are doing in 2021 as a church. We're going to set those achievable goals. Ministries that we are going to start up scriptural ministries. And we are going to watch God Bring it to pass. I'm telling you, it's going to be beautiful. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. i got to show you this. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares not the pastor, declares the Lord. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. And to give you a future. Somebody ought to understand today. That when God's trying to bring change in your life. It's not because he hates you. It is not because he's trying to harm you. It is because he's got a future for you. That is brighter than you could ever imagine. He's just trying to get us uncomfortable. So that we will go to that Canaan land that he's called us to. And then I'll leave you with this. And then you've got to have what we call a strategy. Strategy. It's a thoughtful, a prayerful plan to the steps that take us where we want to go. Look at Proverbs 19.21. Where do you want to go? How in the world do you plan to get there? Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's why when we get ready to bring healthy change to God's church, even to our lives, we need to cover it with prayer. We need to make sure that the changes that we're making are not something we just dreamt up last night because we ate some Mexican food. We need to know that God, Father, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And as I told you just the other week, the things that I want us to get to as a church, it's not some extravagant plan that I found off a church growth website. It is the basic things that are in the Scripture. That we're failing to do. That's what I'm just the basics. That's what God is calling us to grow into. And that is growth. That's change. That's moving forward. The message is that it is time for a change. Are you ready for the change? Are you fearful? Are you filled with faith? Are you tired of being stuck in between where you were? Where you want to be in your life? Think it through. Pray it through. And with God's help. You will get there. We will get there. Do you have a piano? Flip it like a piano sound for me if you would over there. And some strings.
There's an interview with Mother Teresa. And the interviewer asked Mother Teresa this question. How do you expect to change society, Mother Teresa? To which she answered with the question. Jesus often did that. Read, read your Bible. Jesus always answered a question with the question. It's kind of strange, but it challenges our thinking. She said, how do you expect to change society without bringing people to a face-to-face -face encounter with God? If we have to make changes to bear fruit, to show the world that we're moving forward, then by all means, let's do it. Our job is not just to make people happy. Our job is not to pat people on the head until they get to heaven and let them be comfortable in their sin and their discontent and their lukewarmness. That's not our job. Our job is to get people to a face-to-face -face encounter with God. And when people, oh my God, when people have a face-to-face -face encounter with God, we don't have to pat them on the back all the time and say, you can make it, brother, you can make it, brother. When you have a face-to-face -face encounter with God, God will bring change in your life that will change you forever. You won't need nobody to tell you, you need to read your Bible today. You want to read your Bible today if you've had a face-to-face -face encounter with God. That is why they tell us that one of the first things we should do as we're rolling out the bed, as we're getting our shower, as we're getting ready, the first thing we should do is have a conversation with God, the Creator of the universe. Because when we do this and have this face-to-face -face encounter, when you've come in contact with God, when you go out in the world and you face challenges, when you've talked to God that morning and His Spirit has filled your heart, those things don't mean nothing anymore. You just have been, I'm praying for you. God bless you. And you're going on. And they said, how in the world are these people smiling? It's because they've had change in their life. Good change. Positive change. Biblical change. God has done a change in them. That's how they smile. I was reading something today where A.Z. Tozer said that we ought to live a life to where people come to us and ask us, where is the source of your joy? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to leave you with this. Mark 2, 21. Let me read it and I'll, and I'll leave you. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old making the tear worse Jesus said and no one pours new wine into old wine skins otherwise the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined no they pour new wine into new wine skins how long will we try to put new patches on old clothes and figure out that we get the same result how long will we take new wine a new thing and try to pour it into our old mentality and our old wineskins. It's time for change. It's time for something new. I'm so happy today. And I'm going to speak to you for just a few minutes. She can just play. And I'm going to pray over us. But I do want to, to give you a couple things today. I've been playing pianos and all over the place. So I want to make sure that I get this to us. Uh, there's a few prayer requests we need to pray for today. I want to mention. Miss Ada, so good to see you. You must be doing better. So continue to pray for Miss Ada. Uh, for Hayward Byers, for Billy Grant, Barbara Hanna, Wayne Merck, uh, 
Christine Mickler and family. This is Steve's mother that passed away. They're having the viewing today at Dillard's from 1.30 to 2.45. Service at 3 at Dillard's. Be in prayer for that family today. For Bonnie Moody and continued issues that she's having with some things. She needs the healing power of God. For Mila Jane Moore, that's Austin and Lauren's baby. And uh, they're trying to teach the baby how to how to eat last time I'd heard. And she's going through some things. Um, I, I, Jennifer's got the text. I don't have it, so I, I can't give you all the details. But she needs prayer for that baby so she can come home. For Sheila Tao, who had surgery this week. And uh, she needs needs God to touch her. Several other things going on she's having issues with. Let's pray for these people today. And we will ask God to code all of these requests today as we close. But I do want to tell you, some of you sometime back, you asked us about a, um, we talked about a widow's ministry. Anybody remember that? Widow's ministry. Talked about it first of year. I'm still working on it. Uh, I'm looking for a leader in that. I'm praying it, covering it in prayer. Got a couple people in mind waiting on the Holy Spirit to lead. But, but this week, I hope to finalize that. But just let me give you a little update on where we are. Uh, when you go on your push pay, you'll see on there that we have Standing in the Gap missions. But you'll also see now, it was listed this week, it says Standing in the Gap for Widows. All right, that's what it's called, Standing in the Gap for Widows. I've had some of you, even people I know they are watching on Facebook right now, that have asked about that fund. I want you to know it is open, it is available. People have already told me they want to donate to that need. I'll give you more of a plan, a new ministry, biblical ministry. This is positive change. We're going to bear fruit from it. God's going to bless us. He said take care of the orphans and the widows. And so I'll give you more details on that probably next week. But if you want to donate to that, I promise you it's going to be a good cause. And I'll share more of that plan and vision next Sunday. But want everybody to know that. Aren't, don't you love God today? Man, the change that we need to make, folks is a heart change. A heart change. I want to be the church that God has called us to be. When we are the church that God has called us to be, we don't have to worry about all the other logistics. We don't have to worry about whether there's money to pay the bills or not. God always has supplied for His children. We don't have to worry whether or not people are going to come to church or not. When there's a heart change, People are going to come to church. We'll leave all that to God. That's His business. That's between Him. All we're going to do is our part. And we want to change and do positive things to grow the church. To grow. And I'm not talking about just numerical, folks. I'm talking about spiritually. I want to see growth in our church. That's what we need more than anything. I need it. You need it. That's exactly what I seek God for today. Can we all stand? On your way out before I pray. I do want to mention that uh, our phase one payoff, thank you so much. Uh, I gave mine this week on push pay, and some of you probably have done the same. Some have already sent in checks. And uh, these gold offering plates in the back, if you want to give to phase one payoff, and we're hoping we're, we're going to have a report this month. Council's going to look at it. We'll be meeting here soon. I can't remember the date. I'm not even going to say. I think it's the... I don't know. Anyhow, 18th or something. Don't, don't mark me down for that. But we're meeting. And I'm going to be talking about this. So thank you for your giving. We're hoping to get this thing paid off. God's done a, a good work in our church. And we praise Him for that. So thank you for your help with that. Does anybody need any special prayer today? I don't want to underestimate the fact. If somebody needs special prayer, then you could come up. And I want to give you special prayer if you need that today. 
So as I pray, if you need special prayer, you're more than welcome to come. I've already anointed some prayer cloths prior to service today. And, um, and we've done that in the hallway. We can pray anywhere. God, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you right now, touch, touch my heart. My God, touch me. We often pray that you touch other people, that you change other. Father, change me. I think that's the way we need to start praying. I think we need to quit looking for everybody else to change. I think we need to pray that you would change us. That you would grow us. That you would make us more spiritual. That you would make us want that face-to-face encounter with you. If there's any change in our life that we need, we need to get back to the days that you were everything. If there's any change that we need in this building today, we need a change that makes us long for your presence. We need a change that makes us fall on our face. We need a change that we don't pray as an obligation. We literally cannot wait to get into your presence. We feel so humbled that we hit our knees and we crawl to our prayer closet. We crawl to the altar. And in that moment, you touch us and you change us. Father, do that for us. This is the change that we need. We need you to change our hearts. And then you can change our our churches. And then you can change our country. Then you can change our nation, our communities. But first, it starts with us. Change me. Give us a heart after you like we've never had before. Give us a longing for your word. That we want to get your word out. And every time we hear it read. Something new pops out of it. We don't care. We've read it a hundred times. But today God speaks to us through his word. In a new way. It's a new thing. Touch your people today. Draw us closer to you. Touch these requests that I prayed over. That I mentioned out loud. You heard them all. Be with Steve's family today. As they bury his mother. Let your Holy Spirit rest with them. Father, for this, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Lisa, go ahead and start.